Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, thank you for tuning in to another edition of MTAS Radio, where our purpose is to encourage members of the black community to think about our role and responsibility to ourselves, our families, and the community at large. We want to empower you by providing you with quality information and conversation that will make you think and ultimately lead to actions where they are so desperately needed. We believe that choices that people make are a direct result of information that we take in that we take in and a lack thereof. And that's why we want to continue to provide for you these conversations and various book selections that will get us to think and take um, actions that's needed in our respective lives. I want to invite you to join us on Facebook, like our page, Mightier Than a Sword. Also join us on the internet, www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. And today we're uh, we're discussing our quarterly book select, selection. Last um, quarter we didn't get the opportunity to do that with uh, from good to great, and uh, with a uh, quite a bit of feedback from the various supporters of MTAS and MTAS uh, members and um, uh, friends and family. Uh, we wanted to do something different this quarter, so we want to use this next 45 minutes to discuss um, the current book selection, which is Napoleon's Heels from good. I'm not from good to great. I'm Sorry, guys. Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil. That's right, Outwitting the Devil, The Secret to Freedom and Success. That's this quarter's uh, book selection. So we want to invite you to join the book selection. If you join the book, uh, the book read, if you have not already done so, run out and grab your copy of um, Napoleon Hill, um, Outwitting the Devil. Um, We just finished reading chapters one and three, and we'll get into that discussion today. Myself and uh, members of the MTAS family uh, will talk about chapters one through three today. And if, uh, again, if you have not grabbed your copy, I, I strongly suggest that you run out and do so, so that you can uh, pick up as we continue to read this phenomenal book. Again, uh, um, this book was written back in the 1930s, but a lot of the principles and ideas that's espoused in this particular book, we certainly we certainly could utilize it in 2013 because most of us are still trying to figure that out, how to outwit the devil. And the question I have for um, you, the listening audience, as well as my guests, this is something I want you guys to think about as we engage in this thoughtful um, thoughtful conversation today, and that is, is the devil real, and can his claims of controlling 98% of the people in the world be true. So I want you to think about that. Again, I'll ask, is the devil real, and can his claims of controlling 98% of the people in the world be true? And uh, I want to bring in, I want to bring on the um, live line our guests, uh, members of the MTAS family. Um, I, I don't know who's there yet. My computer is kind of um, screwing up on me right now, but I believe Akbar, are you, are you with us today? Yes, I am. Great, can you great, hear me? great, great. I can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you loud and clear. Um, I, I don't know if we have another guest on. I believe um, I believe um, Shalanda was supposed to be joining us, but I don't know if she's on. But I want to definitely put the call out to her. Shalanda, are you with us? 
she might be joining the call a little bit later. But Ark, I want to get off into the uh, the whole discussion and conversation here. I know this is uh, a phenomenal book. You've had the opportunity to uh, read this particular book, I believe, twice. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Okay, okay. Yeah, just before we even get off into the discussion and conversation, what was your overall take on the book, and uh, what has uh, driven you to actually put this into your um, consciousness twice? What was your take? What was your overall take on this particular book, Ah? Well, good evening to the uh, our listening audience. I am Akbar Bea, and I have read the uh, book a couple of times. Uh, outwitting the devil, and I was really, at first I was kind of surprised to uh, find out that Napoleon Hill had wrote such a a, a, a great book, you know, and, 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 and held it back from being published because he didn't, you know, didn't quite know how, how if uh, a society was ready to hear, hear what he had to say on this, this subject, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, pretty well. I was pretty thrilled uh, when I saw it uh, a couple of years back when I was uh, visiting a bookstore up in Evanston. Because you know, unfortunately, on the south side of Chicago, most of the bookstores have uh, actually closed down. So I often say that uh, what we're experiencing here on the south side of Chicago is a uh, information desert. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so absolutely so uh, i'm glad that um um um, there's various um, bookstores and book selections that's still um, available that we can actually get our hands on this type of material and this type of information. But I don't want to belabor the the point again. Uh, we we again we we read over the last couple of weeks um, chapter one through three, and I want to get back. I want to get off to chapter one with you, Akbar. And um, one of the things that Napoleon Hill talks about in um, chapter number one, he said that he he met with Andrew Carnegie, you know, the steel guy, and um, he expressed his interest in studying successful men and women, and sharing with and and the idea of sharing with his readers um, their stories, ideas, and principles for success and achievement. And and upon sharing this with uh, Mr. Carnegie, one of the things that he said was, Mr. Carnegie said that he thought it was a great idea for Napoleon Hill to want to study these successful men um, men during that particular area era and period of time. But uh, Mr. Carnegie added that not only should he study why people succeeded, he should also study why men fail, men and women fail. Um, and I want to get you in on this, Akbar. How how important do you think it is to understand not only the reason for success, but also the causes of failure? Because that seemed to be what Mr. Carnegie was um, hitting, um, hitting home to um, Napoleon Hill there. Uh, well, I think uh, what Mr. Carnegie was trying to point out is that people fail and, and uh, there's no accidents in life. So if something is happening, and especially if something is happening in your life that you really may not uh, uh, directly have chosen to happen, then you should uh, uh, find out why so you can learn from that lesson so you don't make the same mistakes uh, as you move forward in life, you know. So there's there's nothing wrong with stumbling and falling and so forth, but we should learn from our mistakes so that we can move forward. And I I believe that's what he was bringing out that uh, uh, uh these uh, uh examples should uh, be put before people so that they won't make the same mistakes that their predecessors 
have made, you know. Right, but right, also, right. But I also am a strong believer uh, uh, that we can spend too much time looking at the uh, uh, the causes of failure and uh, uh, trying to find some secret to success and the, the, uh, uh, and really miss the point, you know. Uh, okay. And I guess uh, uh, I like, you know, the, the quote, you, know, you, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Mm. See, I don't believe the creator made a mistake when he created us. He knew what he was doing. And he made okay. us to succeed. So if we see anything short of being successful individuals, then uh, 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 we haven't really tapped into the truth. Our very nature, our very makeup uh, 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 is, is such that we should succeed in anything that we uh, uh, choose to undertake. And we can. But I, I guess a lot of people don't know that. Okay. <laughs> That's probably part of the reason for him um, penning this particular book, right? <laughs> to share the secrets right, to freedom right, and success. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think um, Solana has actually joined the conversation right now. And um, Solana, welcome to the call and good evening to you. Thank you, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know you've had a pretty busy day, but I'm glad you was able to join the conversation because I know this is uh, a book that um, you've learned a great deal from, and uh, definitely want to get your take and uh, your understanding. Because everyone, one the beautiful, the beautiful thing about books and literature, everyone sees something different, everyone hears something different, and that's the remarkable thing about um, about information, um, information that's actually uh, put in print. So definitely. We want to get you in on the conversation just to um, see what's your take. You know, Akbar and I, we were discussing how Mr. Carnegie informed um, Napoleon Hill not only to discuss uh, and look at the successes of men and women of his day, but also also to pay very close attention to why men fail, because he was of the belief that few people succeed and many people fail. So what do you think uh, Mr. Carnegie was trying to share with um, Mr. Hill on this? particular period of his life. I truly believe that, you know, uh, in order for you to understand how to be successful, you have to understand what failure is like. And that's something that uh, Carnegie really wanted him to, you know, interview all these different people. But he said, I, you know, I, I want you to really focus on the failures because through your failures, you actually learn what not to do. <laughs> you sure. know, and you have so many people, you know, they say, practice makes perfect, well, if you're practicing the wrong thing, <laughs> then therefore, you know, uh, you're going to you know, experience a lot of failures, but if you grow and you learn, and that's how you develop through your failures, then, you know, you will end up uh, walking the road to success. But unfortunately, you have so many people, uh, due to the way how they think, um, their mindset, you know, they have limitations, and that's something that Carnegie really wanted um, Napoleon to focus on, you know, to really dig deep to find out why people make the choices that they make, you know, uh, what were the, you know, uh, consequences behind their choices, who did it affect, you know. So um, this book was actually a life changer for me because, you know, I had a chance to really uh, step outside my other self, <laughs> And, you know, and stop focusing on the limitations, but it opened my mind to see how powerful, um, you know, we all really are. 
And and that's something that you have to understand through failure, you find your power. And once you find your power, that leads you to the road to success. So uh, that's pretty much, I believe, in in my opinion, what Carnegie was trying to uh, get Napoleon to, you know, to see, you know, reach out to these people, see, you know, uh, why they failed. You know, did they repeat the same failures again? You know, I mean, Einstein, you know, um, a lot of our, our great, uh, you know, scientists and, and, and the discoveries that they made came about through many failures. And through those failures, every, you know, they may have made some changes, may have tweaked some things that still didn't work. But maybe after 10,000 tries, it finally did work, you know, because that's the drive. And that's something that Carnegie brings out about, you know, understanding your drive and, uh, you know, uh, being able to push Cash your limitations because once you push, that's where you find that power and that drive to succeed. So that was a very powerful thing um, that he had him to do, you know, in trying to pretty much define failure. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That was some of the same um, concept and ideas that I kind of gather from that um, that entire discussion as well. Because, uh, yeah, sometimes we we look at people that's on top, and one thing we fail to pay attention to how how did they make it, and those who didn't get to the top of the food chain, so to speak, uh, what caused them to slip. So I think that those are very important concepts. I want to invite the listening audience if they want to add to the discussion, please feel feel, feel free to give us a Call at 718-508-9533 and press 1. We'll definitely um, put you um, in the roundtable and actually allow you to share your thoughts and opinion about this particular um, book, Outwitting the, De- the Devil. Again, that's 718-508-9533. Also, um, uh, um, Mr. Hill also talked about, um, well, Carnegie also shared with uh, um, Napoleon Hill that this particular discovery and endeavor that he was embarking upon about studying successful men and women of his era that it will potentially take at least 21 years to continue uh, 21 years of continuous effort and he will have and he will have to earn a living by another source during this particular particular time in his particular life he said it would take that period of time to at least become profitable. Um, so he's talking about decades later till he began to see any results um, of his effort. So what do you think, uh, I want to get you back here on this, Akbar. It seems to me that Mr. Hill was being given a lesson in delayed gratification. Why is this principle critical to outwitting the devil? Uh, good evening, Shalanda. Uh Well, Delayed gratification. When, when I, you know, you speak of the 21 years that it was told that it would take for him to uh, uh, reach this, reach this goal, uh, it occurred to me. Uh, well, how long does it take to become to get a master's degree? How long does it take you to uh, the uh, get a PhD or become a doctor or a lawyer or so forth? There's time sure. invested. Okay, so this is part of the price that we have to pay. If we want to be successful in anything, we have to put in the work. And uh, I don't remember the exact words, but in the uh, the great debaters, Forrest Whitaker was telling his son, you know, he says, we do what we have to do, okay, so that, you know, we can do what we want to do later. Those may not be the exact words, but other words, uh, now is what matters. The end of now, we can redeem the past and ensure the future. And that's so. In order 
to have a future that you want, you have to stay focused in the now and stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish. And that may take 20 years. It may, who knows, you know, depending on, uh, like in Hill's case, you had to take care of yourself. I mean, some people get the, uh, their, their PhD in a record amount of time, but, you know, when you have to take care of yourself and maybe even have to take care of family and so forth, you know, uh, it takes a little bit more time. But long as we stay focused on what the goal is, then sure. we can accomplish that, you know. Just keep stay focused and keep moving in the direction that we intend to go. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, to be told that the that the endeavor that you're embarking upon, that you're a couple of decades away from um, actually reaching that goal, or or seeing that those endeavors are actually profitable. What's your take on that, Solanda? What's your take about, about the whole idea or lesson, the principle of delayed gratification? Uh, why is that so critical to outwitting the devil? Because it, it's right there in the book. We're talking about how do you outwit the devil? How do you overcome the odds and meet life challenges? Why is delayed gratification so important in that process? Um, because one of the things that you know we don't understand is the power of time. And and it's time it takes, uh, you know, it's a, a process to develop. You know, um, things don't happen tonight, just like, you know, uh, you don't have people that become, you know, unless you win the lottery, but millionaires overnight. You know, businesses and... I don't know if we're breaking up there. You might be in a bad area there. Um, did you catch that, Aqua? I didn't catch it. Uh, yeah, she, she, she. I didn't catch all of it. It fell off after the word business. Uh, I think she was breaking up prior to that, but it fell off completely after the word word business. So hopefully, she realizes that she's still off, falling off. Shalana, are you still there? Hey, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you a lot better now. now. Okay, we, okay. Uh, we missed uh, We missed a little bit of that. So come again. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, you know, okay. uh, you, you don't you don't have people that you know uh, when it comes to business, you don't have a business. Uh, they, they become millionaires. You know, think, there's a process. There's time. You know, there's things you have to do to make that business successful and to grow. And so, you know, on this journey, there was a reason why it took, you know, so many years was because, one, you know, um, you have to learn to give up self, you know, and and, and not become dependent on things. And, and so um, Carnegie, through this process, Napoleon was learning some very valuable lessons, lessons that, you know, we may not even have the patience for it because we're so um, stuck on, I got to have it now. You know, I, I, I got to be able to touch it now. And so Carnegie wanted him to understand that, you know, in order to develop this other self, um, you're not going to find it right away. You know, mm. um, eventually it's, you're going, it's going to come to you, but just not when you think it is. And I can only imagine Napoleon, you know, he's like, man, you know, this is a, a great opportunity for me. Um, but I want to see what the end result is going to be. Well, if somebody told you that it's going to take 20-some years, you may say, well, I don't know if I even want to, you know, go through all of that. So his desire um, was to pursue this task because he understood that the end result will be something significant, something great, something life-changing. And unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, don't have that drive to want to see what the end result is going to be because, you know, they want the self to be gratified now. 
So the process, it was a lesson that Napoleon had to learn. He had to become, you know, reliant on other resources. He couldn't depend on, you know, this wasn't paying any money to him. You know, pretty much this was a free task, you know. So how can it relate to us is that, you know, things take time. You know, while we want things to happen right away, everything is a lesson. You know, the test, the trials, the tribulations, everything that we go through, the things that Napoleon went through, you know, it's all for the greater good towards the end. Um, but the, the most important thing that you can learn are the lessons and growth and development um, that takes time. Because in order to be successful, it takes time. Because how else can you better relate to other people or you be the true example unless you know how to, you know, how to uh, go through certain things? You know, you can't tell somebody um, about being a millionaire um, or about a struggle if you haven't been through certain struggles, you know. So the lessons that Napoleon learned were so powerful that it truly changed his life, and, um, and, and that's pretty much what I took from it. Yeah, yeah, th- those are powerful points that you make. I want to share with Yunak uh, Bar uh, off page number 10. He said that he had, this is in 1923, he said, I found myself stranded in Columbus, Ohio, without funds and worse still, without a plan by which to work my way out of my difficulty. It was the first time in my life that I had actually been stranded because of a lack of funds. <laughs> Many times, I, uh, you can relate to that, huh? <laughs> I sure can. Many times, previously I had found money to be rather shy, but never before had I failed to get what I needed for my personal conveniences. The experience stunned me. It seemed I seemed totally at sea to what could or what I could and should do. I thought of a dozen plans of which I might solve my problem, but dismissed them all as being either impractical or impossible of achievement. I felt like one who was lost in a jungle without a compass. Um, this was kind of heavy to me when I read this, uh, hearing about his life experience and also really seeing my own life and others that I know. And, uh, Ak, I want to bring you back in, in, into the conversation here. Can you relate to the experience of thinking that your dreams and goals are both impractical and impossible to achieve, feeling lost or stuck? And what suggestions do you find did you find helpful after reading Napoleon Hill's story? about that whole concept of indecision and being stuck. Well, that that can happen. That's going to happen. Not, I'm not going to say it can happen. It's pretty much going to happen to uh, uh, any, any individual who is moving forward or wants to move forward in their life. Uh, mm. uh, it's just part of the necessary. I say necessary. Uh, 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 learning experience that we must experience in order to get ahead. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, it's similar to me in the sense of a uh, whether uh, in the business cycle. Sometimes you hit what they call a plateau. You okay. know, you seem like you're not going up. You're not going up uh, or down. You just seem like you're leveled off, and mm. it's a hell of a place to be at because it's like yes, the uh, the uh, uh, you don't know what decision to make at that particular moment when you find yourself there, you know, and you wonder why, uh, almost like, there's no movement here. What's going on with me? I'm better than this. But, sure. again, 
is part of the necessary experience. As long as you don't lose hope and you try to get some understanding on what is taking place, you arise above that. There's no difficulty that we cannot handle. There's no difficulty that we cannot rise above. As he did, he eventually rose above it. But he was at that point where he had to learn more about himself and the powers and the intelligence that was working in him. Mm. What's your take on what's your take on that, Shalanda? He uh mentioned on page number eleven that the worst of all human elements is indecision. And then, uh at this particular point in his life he was stuck. Um, you know, and he he mentioned that he felt as though his dream and goals, and and this is heavy to me because sometimes I was having a conversation with someone recently recently this week, and we talked about the whole idea of something being possible but yet not probable, and. Those are kind of interesting points to be in in life because that's where he was. He said that he thought his dreams and goals to be both impractical and impossible to accomplish. And when you begin to tell yourself those things, that's a rough place to be in. What's your take on that? Can you relate to that? And what did you find helpful um, to get beyond that particular point, either personally or what, what did you read in the book? Um, actually, I think everybody, you know, comes to this crossroad of decision. You know, I've met in the past with a lot of people, uh, you know, let's take, for example, people who have been working for, on their job for, you know, 30 and 40 years. You know, are they fulfilled? Are they serving their purpose? You know, uh, some people just go day to day, you know, it's a job, not a career. Is it something that you're passionate about? You know, these are the things that, um, you know, make us who we are. And, and and they're the things that are so profound in our lives. However, we get caught in indecision and we start to settle for, you know, just our daily, you know, the things that we deal with daily. Um, from personal experience, you know, definitely been in a, in a situation where, you know, you're trying to figure something out and this plan doesn't work, that plan doesn't work, and you really don't know what to do. And you just, like Akbar said, you know, uh, sometimes you want to give up, but you can't lose hope, you know. But what was very profound about this is that, you know, when he says, um, uh, I felt like one who was lost in a jungle without a compass, you know, I mean, can you imagine just being, you know, in a jungle and you don't know where you're going? Think about how many people today are, yeah, think about how many people today are actually in that same situation. You know, look at the world. You know, you got so many people who are in jungles just moving. They don't know what direction they're going in. They're not happy. They're miserable. You know, they got dreams and goals they want to accomplish, but because they have not tapped into that power and, and defining who they are and tapping into that other self, they, they're just going to keep, you know, just roaming freely, you know, in a jungle with no direction. You know, and that's not serving your life's purpose. You know, and that's why, uh, you know, Napoleon, I mean, you know, he, he's uh, – Telling us, like, hey, look, yeah, I, I've been down that road where, you know, um, I'm used to being able to make ends meet. You know, uh, I never, even though money may have been a little tight at times, I've never been in a situation where, you know, pretty much everything was hanging out. <laughs> you yeah, know, it ran out. I, I don't know, right, I, I don't know <laughs> right. what to do. You know, he, he can't call, you know, my, my Uncle Paul or, you know, Grandma or Mom or Dad, you know, for help financially because they probably were tapped out too. <laughs> I mean, think about during this time, you know, this was, I think, around the Great Depression. You know, so you have all these people who were, you know, 
who couldn't even make me, who were in the soup lines and, you know, just trying to, you know, just stick together just to get by. But what he wanted people to know is that, you know, this is how, this is when my other self showed up. <laughs> this is when, at the time when, who I, who I really am. You know, this is a time when I was able to, you know, not look at the situation, but go past my limitations. This is when, you know, your your other self shows up and shows out. And that's, that's right. where, where you find out about your passion. That's when all the hopes and dreams and things that you ever thought about starts to come together and you start to realize, aha, I got it. Now you're driven. Now you're motivated. You know, your mojo is now gone because now you find out what your passion is. You know, and sometimes we all face that role where we're passionate about things, but we don't know what to do. You know, we're afraid because of, you know, maybe certain things in our past has limited us, or we look at people where they may look at us kind of funny, like, you know, you come from, you know, you may have been a street person, but, you know, now you're growing and developing, and, you know, you may be afraid of what, how people may view you. You know, but you have to go past what people think. You have to go past even how how you even perceive yourself. And, and that's why it takes sometimes you got to stand in a mirror and talk to yourself and say, hey, self, you know, it's time to move. It's time to get up. You know, and, right, and, and, and that's where Napoleon, for me, that was a life changer for me. Just when he said, you know, I was in a jungle lost because I've been there, you know, just not knowing what to do and how to go about doing it. But once you get a chance to, you know, just be in a very bad situation, that's when everything starts to come together. And once they come together, you know, if you're driven, if you want to succeed, then that's the time when, you know, it's like the, uh, the when you light a match uh, to, to fuel and now you got that spark. That's when that spark takes place and then you're able to take off. And that was Napoleon's time where from that situation he was able to take off and he didn't stop. Good, good point, great points. Guys, we have roughly about 10 minutes left in the conversation. I want to add to what Solanda said about during that period of time, the Great Depression. Um, the interesting thing, Solanda, is that um, his other self told him that, well, yeah, he, he needed $25,000 to actually bring this book to market, right? And, and here's yep. the deal. His other self told him to make a list of all the acquaintances that he, um, of people that, that he had known throughout his life that he thought um, was able to supply him with the money. And uh, here's the thing I want to share with you and Akbar. When he made a list of all the people that who he had known who had $25,000 to actually uh, invest in his business, he came up with a list of 300 people. I'll say that again. He came up with a list of 300 people during the time of the Great Depression. And um, I, I, we don't have time to get off to that this particular question or this particular idea, but I think that speaks a little bit about how powerful are the people that you associate with. How yeah. many people can you go to to help get you to that next point? Yeah, he was tapped out. He felt like he was in a jungle uh, with no compass, but... Everyone wasn't experiencing that. That was his particular situation at this that particular time in his life. But he knew 300 people that could get him out of a jam. So I did want to make mention of that and also what what we can learn from that about the power of networking and making sure that we're um, um, connecting with the right folks. Um, Akbar, I want to bring you uh, back in on the conversation because I definitely want to get into the part where he, where Napoleon Hill began to have this interview with the devil. According to the devil in this particular book, the devil says that he controls 98% of the people in the world. 
At one point, he claimed to control all people. Can you believe this claim made by Napoleon Hill that 98% of the um, that 98% of the world um, is lost, confused, and mind controlled by the devil? What's the take on that, Akbar? Well, of course, uh, uh, it's no different from what's 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 being said every day uh, in certain circles. You know, it's say like basically, fifteen percent of the people make all the money in the world, and you break that down, you end up with basically four percent of the people make the majority of the money in the world. What's happening with all the other people? And here again, uh, I bring up responsibility. The key to freedom in life. Is being responsible. You have to be responsible for what's taking place in your mind, okay? Mm. And as uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead uh, on what the devil was talking about, but what did he say his weapon was? Taking control of the mind, taking control sure. of your thinking. Mm-hmm. So if you're not responsible for that, you're not watching that, what's taking place in your mind, then just like weeds will fall on any empty spot of dirt, I don't care if it's in a crack in, in, in a sidewalk, and it will grow. That's the way the devil or the so-called devil mm-hmm. operates, you know. And, again, I think what is very important is his answer to uh, the, the part about him have, not having a body. Hmm. Why don't you share that with uh, us, Akbar? Well, you know, if... If there's a devil, who created him? Okay? If there's a devil, how does he occupy or control 98% of the people? He explains it. He says that I'm that negative part, you understand, of all energy, of all thought, of everything that exists. It takes a positive and a negative. He said, I am that negative. Right. Okay? So the atom, he said, all the way down to the atom, he said, I'm that negative part. Okay? So if there is a devil, in the sense in which we, you know, uh, then the same creator that created the atom itself created the devil. Mm. You understand? And it comes with us. Just like the creator is a part of us, that negative part is there also. But there are not two powers, don't get me wrong. There's only one power. Mm -hmm. The negative power has no power over you. The negative force has no power over you. The devil has no power over you unless what? You refuse to act responsible. Then it steps in in with the fears. Okay, sure. all the different fears that Napoleon Hill mentioned, that's how the devil occupy you, you know, and be and, and again be, be, begins to control you, you know. And so he's present just like the creator is present because he's the negative part of that energy, you know. And But again, he has no power as long as you work, as long as you are a thinker. And to think, right. you have to be responsible because thinking, let me give you a definition of thinking. Thinking, clear, decisive, calm, deliberate, sustained thought with a definite end in view. And most people have no idea where the heck they're going. So they're not thinking clear. So, therefore, that's room for 
the negative force to take charge and do something with you because you ain't doing nothing with yourself. Mm. So I don't mind, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't mind who's workshop. Uh, I don't mind who workshop. workshop. <laughs> it's the devil's workshop. Yeah, it goes back to All that right same then. concept. Solana, we have roughly about five minutes left in the conversation. I want to bring you back in here. It says here on page number 60, the devil says that all of his tricks and devices are to control human thought. And one of the cleverest devices for mind control is fear. Fear of poverty, criticism, ill health, loss of loss of love, old age and death can fear have that kind of effect upon our minds and how can we uh and can yeah can fear have that kind of effect upon our minds yes it can and, and it was funny is uh fear i remember uh when i was uh in high school and we were studying shakespeare and um i forgot which story we were talking about but i remember my teacher asked me you know what was my definition of fear and i said false evidence that appears real and and that's pretty much what fear is. Yes, it's negative energy. Um, think about, um, you know, all the TV shows, all the reality shows. You know, look at reality television. I'm not saying that there, um, there may be a few positive shows, but a lot of the shows circumvent around negativity. You know, people fighting, uh, people degrading each other, you know, and it, it gets people to tune in because most of their lives are the same way. You know, so... The world itself helps create this negative energy and keeps us in tune with it. And then the next thing you know, uh, the other fears that we, you know, face with, you know, fear of losing your job. I mean, you know, if you lost your job, the first thing you're going to think about, how am I going to survive? Or if somebody gets sick, you know, um, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm afraid of death, you know. But where the true power lies is, as Akbar says, is when you've been unplugged, and you can start thinking freely on your own, then you will learn to embrace fear. You will learn to you will learn to embrace these challenges and not be afraid of them because you know that okay, I may lose my job, but let me make preparations just in case. Let me take care of myself so I can avoid certain illnesses. You know, let me uh, surround myself with positive people so that I can avoid falling into the pitfalls of negativity. You know, so fear is a very powerful thing because every day that's what they that's what uh, happens. Fear is implanted when you watch the news. What happens? You know, you hear people uh, about the um, wiretapping. You got people fearful now. Oh my goodness, they're looking on my computers. They're tapping my phone. You know, the media actually helps spell fear out with um, so many people. So you know. Fear is a very powerful thing, but at the end of the day, it's about, you know, you being strong enough to actually face it head on and embrace it. Absolutely. I totally agree. Guys, it was so much in Chapter 1 through 3. Um, I can one minute, yes, why don't you um, sum things up for us in terms of uh, what you got from those first couple of chapters in um, just a, a few seconds here, if best as you can. I know it's a lot there, but give us what you got in a few seconds here. Oh, oh yeah, there, there, there's a lot. And actually what I'll do is toward the end of the third chapter on page 69, this mm-hmm. uh, one sentence here. The devil is speaking, and he says, I could not control 98% of the people of the world if all people were skilled in thinking for themselves. See, mm. But there are actually uh, 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 people that tell you not to think for yourself. 
Okay. And as a result, it's some of the same things that Shalanda had, had mentioned. I mean, how can you go to work for 40 years and be measurable? You know, that's because we allow other people to do our thinking for us and think it's okay. But you can't duck being responsible for yourself. You're responsible. Uh, I am responsible for my own happiness. Okay? And the only limitations, as Napoleon Hill mentioned, uh, the only limitations are the limitations that we set up in our own mind. See? But it takes responsibility to deal with thought. It really does. It takes responsibility to monitor what's taking place in, in, in our mind. You know, most people can't take take uh, 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 monitor uh, uh, the negative habits that they have. So it's, I, I, I can imagine just how difficult it is for some people to even think about trying to think for themselves and to control that. You know. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's definitely what it's all about. Solana, as uh, quickly as possible, what did you take from the first um, three chapters? Uh, we're roughly about two minutes left in the conversation here. Actually, uh, I just want to um, paint three, and I think this sums it all up. Uh, with uh, Napoleon asked the devil, he says, Who are your greatest enemies on earth, your majesty? And the devil responds, All who inspire people to think and act on their own initiative are my enemies. So, right. you know, <laughs> so so pretty much that, that just sums it up. You know, the power of thinking the power of acting on your own initiative, the power of stepping outside yourself and finding who you really are, you know, and, and once you've tapped into that power, there's nothing you can do. The sky's the limit. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. Guys, I want to um, thank the both of you for joining this book discussion. Uh, I want to devil this will not be the last time we discuss this particular uh, book. We'll uh, pick back up on this discussion next month, towards the end of next month, as we uh, read Chapter 4 through 7. And I want to remind the listening audience about what MTAS is all about. We're definitely about community enrichment. We're a literacy and financial awareness community that encourages reading and collective efforts towards intellectual and community enrichment. Richmond through wealth creation, wealth preservation, we believe that there are two types of people, people who don't know and people who don't care. MTAS efforts are geared towards making sure that you know and are prepared to take action towards ending high unemployment, violence, high school dropout, wealthless families, and communities. The endeavor begins by accepting the fact that the community we live in, the society we live in, is the society and community we create. I am responsible. We are responsible. Join us as we continue to read Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill. Help us help you get rid of that ITD. That's right, that ITD, that intellectually transmitted disease. There's answers there's principles, there's ideas that's available. You can find some of those answers and principles right here in the book that we just discussed. And we want to remind you to join us at www.m-tes.org. Again, that's www.m-tes.org. Like our page on Facebook, Mighty Than a Sword. We'll continue this conversation online. Our time is up. We'll see you back next week. 530. I appreciate you, Shalanda. I appreciate you, Brother Akbar. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.